And what I want you to think about today is redemption. Redemption involves payment, verses 1 through 6. Redemption involves payment. Now it says here in verse 1, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. So what gate are we talking about? A little background here. And I think Daniel Block's a good one to quote. City gates in Palestine in early Iron Age were complex structures without, or with lookout towers outside in a series of rooms, either side of, side of the gateway where defenders would uh, defend the town and they would be stationed there. But these gateways also served a secondary purpose, which is what we're going to look at as a gathering place for citizens of the town. This was where official administrative and judicial business took place. So what did this look like? Well, this is at one of the gates uh, into Bethlehem, which would have been where this was conducted. But ultimately, as you walk through that gate, there were rooms. And this is one of the rooms it would have looked like where people could sit here. So Boaz now, he goes up to the city and he sits down at the gate. That is an official act. Sometimes they would go there to congregate and just talk about things. But here, specifically, he sat down. Now that is an official act. And they would have, they would have known that to be an official act because he's sitting there by himself. And then notice secondly what, what happens. And behold the Redeemer, that's the one we talked about last time, and behold the Redeemer who Boaz had spoken to came by. Wow, what a stroke of luck, right? No. You remember back uh, at the end of chapter 3 when he says, as sure as Yahweh lives, I will do this. He had just invoked the name of God. So now, when you look at that same word where she just happened to be in the field of Boaz and he just happened to come by, no, that was a direct reference to the hand of God. So what you have here is this Redeemer who he had just prayed or told Ruth that, don't worry about this, I'm going to take care of it tomorrow. He had just prayed and, and made a, 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 a vow to Yahweh. And so here comes the Redeemer. That was not chance. That was not chance. So Boaz, verse 1 again. So Boaz, so Boaz said, turn aside, friend. And in the Talmud, that refers to old modest man. Oh, modest man. Turn aside and sit down here. And he turned aside and he sat down. So now we have two people sitting here. This is an official act. That's what I want us to be reminded of this morning. It is an official act where both men are sitting down. And then, notice verse 2, And he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, Sit down here. So they sat down. The scene now changes. Boaz and the Redeemer... No doubt that Boaz went around and got ten elders from the city. Uh, secondly, there's no doubt that these elders were official administrative uh, people in, in the town. So when he pulls these ten, and by the way, later, uh, a few centuries later, uh, in synagogue meetings, you had to have ten. So it's 
possible um, that, it, that it came from this. But anyway, you have ten witnesses here who are now going to do something. And it's interesting that Boaz, that Boaz says, sit down here, and the men sat down. That says to me, Boaz was not just your ordinary citizen. He had some pull. So now you have, you have, the, you have Boaz, the Redeemer, and ten men. That's twelve. Not to spiritualize things, but twelve is a big number in the Bible. And these elders, like I said, Zakin, were dignitaries of the city. Now, what we have going on here is we move from the court, which has just been assembled. So you have Boaz, you have the Redeemer, uh, and you have these ten city officials. Now what we're going to look at is the proceedings in verses 3 through 6. So I want you to think of it this way. This is a, 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 court, re, a court reporter. She's making notes of everything uh, that's, that's set in court. So I want you to think of these as notes of an official transcript. Again, they're not just sitting there talking about things. This is an official meeting. We are talking here now about redemption. And the redemption requires 12 people. You have one who is going to present something, the other one who has the opportunity to redeem it, and then you have the witnesses that are surrounding. Now notice verse 3. Then Boaz said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling a parcel of land, a parcel of, of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So if you go back and you read the Old Testament, you find out that they wanted to keep land within families. They did not want that to go to outsiders. They did not want that to go to strangers. And uh, the word selling here, mahau, is not the word for selling. It is the word give. So you could translate it this way, has come back from Moab and is giving the partial of land that was belonging to the relative Elimelech. Daniel Block again is correct when he says, accordingly Naomi's action was not to sell the land that belonged to her deceased husband. It was not hers to sell. By law, the ownership of the land would be transferred to the nearest relative. What she had done was to authorize the court, that is the 12, and they weren't 12 angry men, they were just 12. <laughs> the court to give it to the Goel. The Goel is the redeemer. So he could enjoy the use and advantages of the property. So she is not selling this. She is not selling this land, but she is giving it back so that the court can make the right decision here. And Boaz definitely has a plan in, in place. Now, I know we look at this this kind of text today and think, well, that's kind of hard. But I'm going to tell you something. God always was watchful and careful and loving towards widows. In fact, when you look at Scripture, God is 
caring and loving towards the downcast and those who are in pain. Now notice verse 4. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, take it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, then redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, tell me that I may know, for there is one beside you to redeem it, and I will come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. So in other words, he's asking him, if you accept this, then you can, it's yours. If Ruth had happened to be in the area of this meeting, she has spent time with Boaz. She has probably grown fond of Boaz. Boaz has obviously grown fond of her. Just think of it for a minute. She's all excited that possibly Boaz is going to be her redeemer. And all of a sudden, she hears the words from this man that she hardly knows. I will redeem it. I don't know. Looking at it from Ruth's perspective, I'm thinking, no. No. We were supposed to ride off into the sunset. We were supposed to, we were going to get married. She's already planned this stuff out. She's like, no, this is a complication. I don't like this. Let's cut to court. No, can't do it. And if you're reading this for the first time, and I know many of you are reading this many times before. So he says, I will redeem it. So Boaz now, he has something in his back pocket. <laughs> so he goes, okay, you're, you're going you're gonna to redeem this. Well, there's an addendum to this proposition. Now, the addendum is this. Notice verse 5. Then Boaz said, The day that you take the field from the hand of Naomi, you also require or acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order that you may perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Okay, there's a problem. This is a unique situation as, as well. So here you have, I pulled this up to simplify the issue. So Elimelech and Naomi, they married. They had two boys, Malon and Kilion. Kilion married Orpah. We saw her earlier in the, in the I was going to say movie, <laughs> but in the movie, earlier in the narrative. And she went back. Actually, actually, Naomi tried to get Ruth and Orpah just to go back to their own country. Go back to your own gods. Remember, at that time, Naomi was kind of bitter. But when she came back and she saw the hand of Yahweh, that all changed. Naomi is a woman after God's own heart right now. But here's, here's the situation. You have a very complicated situation going on here. And so when the Goel hears this, on the day that you accept this or you take this land, um, you're also going to get a little surprise. 
This is unique because not only do you have one widow, you have two widows. You have two. Naomi's husband, Elimelech, he died. Not long after that, of course, I believe these two guys to be kind of shady characters anyway because of how they got their wives, but they both died. That left Orpah, Naomi, and Ruth. They're going back. She says, please go back to Moab. Go back to your God. We talked about the God, and just go back and don't worry about me. Orpah finally consented and said, I'm going back. Ruth, however, stayed with her. And you notice that I had been talking in this series about how Ruth is now brought into the family. People are calling her my daughter, even though in the, in the side print it says, and the mother-in-law, the daughter-in-law, they're still calling each other uh, by family names. So now Boaz is looking over the situation. And by the way, this is the, the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. So now you have Naomi and you have Ruth. wonder if she would have come along she would have been the third piece in this puzzle. But she chose to go back. Here you have Naomi and Ruth, two widows. So I, you think of it this way. Boaz says, on the day that you take this land, you're going to get Ruth, and you're also going to get Naomi. And by the way, throw this in Deuteronomy 25 7 to show you how it, it stayed they they tried to keep things in the family and if a man does not wish to take the wife of uh, take his brother's wife that is after the brother has passed then his brother's wife watch this then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate that's where we are now we're at the gate this is an official deal to the elders, we've got ten elders here, and say, my husband's brother refuses to perpetuate his brother's name in Israel. That was a big deal. That was a big deal to keep the family line going. And when you trace the, the lineage, uh, it's, it's fascinating how God worked all of that out refuses to perpetuate the name of his brother in Israel, he will not perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. So this would come up before the elders, and they would say, hey, the brother doesn't want this. What are we going to do? The elders would then decide. But it had the, the, the focus here was that it keeps the land Elimelech. Let me, let me go back. Here. This was what was so important, was the family line. And it's interesting that Ruth will come into this line. And by the way, she's the only non-Israelite to have a book named after her, which is wild. So here you have, I think, what's happening. It could probably... Um, it. I don't even think this could be applied to Ruth. But it's like one commentary said, I think it was Malak said, uh, that what, what Boaz is doing here is using the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. 
spirit of the law, not the letter of the law. So here you have a situation now where the Redeemer, the Goel, is now confronted with this new evidence, and you can see the writer of this is writing down all this information, so it becomes official. Then the Redeemer said, watch this, and if Ruth is sitting there, I can see her going like this, yes, <laughs> yes, I'm pumped, I'm excited. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it. Look at what he says here, very important. I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. What does he mean by that? Take my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. What does he mean by that? Lest I impair my own inheritance. Think of it this way. This redeemer, who is not really mentioned other than the word goel, we don't know who he is, we, I guess the, the writer and uh, the overall scheme of it, it didn't matter because Boaz was actually the focus. So here you have this guy. I want you to think of it this way. This guy has his own lineage. He has his own line. Think like this. If Naomi and Ruth come in, they will come into his line. And he goes, nah, you know what? We don't know if he had kids, but if he had two sons, definitely complicate the issue. So here, <laughs> this is, th these are the four options that were available to him. And I wrote these down, and I think that they're important. He could have accepted the land. He could have accepted the land and said, but wait a minute, I'll let you take over the responsibility of carrying on Elimelech's line by marrying Ruth. He could have said that. They could have worked, worked a deal, I guess, as if you say. Um, he could have accepted the deal, the land, Naomi, and all of it. He could have accepted it exactly the way it, the way it was. He, he, could have, he could have accepted it. But he didn't do that. He could have reneged on the deal. He could have reneged on the deal. He could have gone, I mean, it wouldn't have looked good, but, oh, yes, I'll take the land, I'll take Naomi, I'll, I'll take these things. And then, um, <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm not going to live up to the, to the standards of it, so you're going to get Ruth anyway. But he did not do that. What he did was, very honorable. Listen to me. Look, look at this. What he did was very honorable. He didn't take side notes. He didn't take roundabout way around the, the, the official contract. He didn't do that. He, I'll tell you this. He was a man of integrity. And he also understood the importance of family line. So here you have, he could have done so many things here that just gunked all this up. But he did not do that. He chose the right path. He chose the right path, and he said, I will not and cannot redeem it because it puts my own inheritance in peril, possibly. You know, we don't know a lot about this Goel, this, re this Redeemer, but, you know, he seems to be a very upfront guy, very honest guy. Boaz obviously knows him. Uh, 
But, and somewhere in here, you know, I'm pretty sure, I'll tell you what I think's happening. I don't think Ruth was anywhere in there. I just added it for dramatic effect. I think, I think probably Ruth and Naomi are at home waiting to know the outcome of the event. But they were sitting on pens and needles. Do you remember when Ruth came home after she uncovered Boaz's feet and said, I want you to stay the night here, leave early in the morning so that nobody sees you? Do you remember what happens when Ruth walks into the door, the very first thing? Are you single or married? How is it? So I think that there, you know, there might be small talking a little bit, but they're wanting to know the outcome of this. And I want you to think of it this way. It's an important deal for them. A very important deal. Because Naomi and Ruth's future are hanging in the balance. He rejected the offer. Redemption involves payment, but also ownership. It also involves ownership. Now look at verse 7. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. Again, this is verse 7. To confirm a transaction, one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the way of, an, of attesting in Israel at the time. Okay, one thing to note here. We've now gone from a verbal contract to a contract. And what would happen is, you know, one of the Fraser preachers in my line is called the barefoot preacher, so I may as well just go ahead and do that. Seriously, there was a Fraser who was a barefoot preacher in West Virginia. Um, he would take off the sandal, and he would give it to the other person, to the person wanting or making the transaction. And the question is, why would he do that? Well, it was custom, and it appears at the time of this writing that custom was no longer in practice, but this is what it says. When the one goel would give it to the other goel, the second in chain of command. And he would take that sandal and put it on. It was symbolic of this. It gives the goel, the new goel who took the land, the right to walk on that land. He's saying, I'm giving you the right to walk on the land that you have redeemed, I am releasing my responsibility to that and gives you the right to walk on the land. You know, when we think about this issue, that redemption involves payment and ownership, I thought this week about this verse to all who receive him 
to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become sons or children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of the will of God. See, when this is a transaction that is taking place here, this is somebody that says, I, I will now take responsibility. I own this land. I own all those who are connected with it. I will take care of it myself. And when you think about that, that's almost an exact picture of salvation. Because what happens is we are then owned by Jesus Christ. And part of the benefit, like Naomi and Ruth, part of the benefit is that you get to call yourself a child of God. You were not born. Yeah, you were born physically, but what happens is you're born spiritually. And I can tell you in some sense, in some essence, the moment that that Goel gave the other Goel the sandal, at that moment, Ruth and Naomi had a future. They belonged to that family. They belonged to that line. And at that moment, there was a transformation in both of their lives. Wow. And that's exactly what happens to us in our Christian walk. When we believe on the name of Jesus, it transforms everything. Ruth and Naomi now have a future, a hope, a joy, and I bet you when news gets back, they're like, yes, I'm excited. That's exactly what happens to us at the moment of salvation. We are redeemed. We have an owner, and his name is Jesus Christ. Mm. That verse, when I saw this, and it was like I was writing all of this and making notes, and all of a sudden God said, hey, what about this verse? And I was like, pop, write it down as fast as I could. Now, that leads us to the transaction. The one redeemer has said, just a little side note here. <laughs> one redeemer has given the right of ownership of not only the land, but Naomi and Ruth as well. And now we look at the transaction. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself, he drew off his sandal and gave it to him. Boaz is now the Goel. He's the one who redeemed Again, another, another verse that God brought to my memory about an official transaction was when Jesus Christ was on the cross and he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he died and he gave up his life. Thank goodness the story does not end there. But this is something else to bring us into the realm here for a minute. Boaz is now owner of of Ruth, Naomi, not in the sense of, no, it's all predicated. It is all predicated. And you would have to agree with me on this, knowing Boaz is a man of integrity and honor. This is all predicated on his love for the ones that he redeemed. And when I think about 
my life. I am reminded of the fact, 1 Corinthians 7.23, you, Michael, were bought with a price. And it speaks to my heart that, that yes, I have the benefit, I have the privilege and the honor of being in the family of God. Do you know that you can talk to him anytime you want to? You're, part, you're his child. He loves you. But on the other end of the spectrum, I'm thinking, whoa, wait a minute. The price that was paid for me. How do I act as one who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ? How do I act? as one who has been redeemed. How do you act as one who has been redeemed by the blood of Christ? <laughs> Can I say this? Jesus is our Goel. He has earned the right. Because what he did was, God sent him to this earth to buy us out of spiritual poverty. You know that, right? Nobody in this room deserves anything from God. But God in his great mercy and his love sent his son, born of a virgin, who grew up in every way that we do so that we can understand. He, un he understands us better than you, than you understand yourself. Uh, he grew in every way, but yet he was without sin. And Jesus Christ, the sacrificial lamb of God, went to the cross, died on the cross to pay for my sin. And that is the Goel Redeemer at work in my life and in your life paying for pain with his blood and his death. But thank goodness the news does not end there because on the third day he rose from the dead. And we can rejoice. Let me close with this. Redemption involves payment. Praise God for Boaz. Praise God. But also, in our own lives, redemption did bring a payment, and the payment was the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. And my question to all of us this morning is, how do we live in light of that fact? See, brothers and sisters, this is really... Naomi and Ruth... They didn't have any problem with Boaz because they loved him, and I know he loved them. Uh... And I, I think part of the issue, part of the issue, when people forget the cost of our redemption, part of the issue is that I'm really trying to live for myself and not Christ. So every day we should probably wake up, and it's a good reminder for me and for all of us, Every day we should wake up 
And as we get out of bed and our feet hit the floor, we should say, I have been bought with a price. In light of that, how should I live my life today? Not out of fear, but out of love for the one who redeemed us.